0: I fanboy podcast on Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and the Animation Brain Trust has been reconvened. Paul Montgomery. Yep. And Ryan Haupt. Assemble. And we're talking about Suicide Squad Hell to Pay.
2: Paul, what are the stats on this one? Okay. This is an American animated film <laughs> produced by Warner Brothers Animation, distributed by Warner Brothers Home Entertainment, it's directed by Sam Liu, scripted by Alan Burnett, and this, I believe, is his last one. This they is his last about. film. He retired after this. Talked about uh, on the on the last podcast. It is the 31st film in the DC Universe animated original movie series, otherwise the 10th installment of the DC animated movie universe. So does that mean it's the 10th
0: one in the shared universe?
2: I guess. So it, this, it, this isn't in continuity with the previous Suicide Squad no. animated movie or the live-action one, for that matter.
0: No. It's clearly in the shared universe, as we'll get to. Spoiler warning. Uh, especially having to deal with reverse flash, this is clearly set firmly in
2: the stupid shared universe they've been doing for these movies. Well, I mean post the, Flashpoint, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's part of the metaverse, doesn't that mean they're all connected? <laughs> As Grant Morrison and Mark Wade. Or are us, there different metaverse like in different hypertime? It's all
3: I imagine Thunder yeah. Ray. I imagine the Arkham video game universe is one of the fifty
0: two.
2: That's one of the yeah. It's yeah, like thirty one or something.
0: Well, anyway, so this is not a sequel to the last one, which was Batman Assault on Arkham, which Paul and I hated
2: and Ryan loved.
3: Yep, let's just go ahead and rewrite that history. <laughs> I,
2: I just remember we, we did the whole podcast, and then <laughs> we said, so, in conclusion, we hated it. And Ryan's like, no. It's and pretty was good. Like. <laughs> I, ha- I, did- I didn't have that indication from the, r- the previous 30 minutes of conversation.
3: I think that just goes to show that we can share the same criticisms right. about a thing and still come just away with it different it. conclusions. Yeah. Sure.
0: So this film Absolutely. is about the Suicide Squad going off on a mission, uh, as they do, sent by Amanda Waller to, as my favorite joke goes, retrieve the broadcast energy transmitter, the, basically a MacGuffin. They have to go get a card from Dr. Fate's Sanctum Sanctorum. The get-out-of-hell free card. The get-out-of-hell free card, which I loved. It's a fun MacGuffin. Why? Because Amanda Waller is terminal with some disease we aren't told. But we see her getting the scans, we see the giant folder saying diagnosis terminal on it. That was funny. That was, that was maybe the do loudest you think, I laughed. Do you
3: think that was also part of the, the weight loss thing?
0: Maybe. Because they much. mentioned
3: it at the beginning of the movie, how like she had just lost a bunch of weight. And so I mm. thought, in hindsight, I thought maybe that was a hint that...
0: I wonder if that's Alan Burnett turning the, turning the knife one last time out the door at the current regime who's making everything look like the movies. Right. We opened with a mission in action with a Suicide Squad that's comprised of Ocean Master, Deadshot, Count Vertigo, and Punch and Judy... Julie. Julie. I don't know anything about those characters. They're from the Charlton comics. I know, but the thing is, like, they started doing weird shit with energy beams, and I was like, I don't know anything about
2: these characters. Wow. It was pretty wild their power cells it was, was kind of cool it was, it was a neat cold open to do the this train robbery sequence sure. and even i mean even if you're a week-to-week dc comics reader you know some deep cuts in here and they make some very heavy cuts uh <laughs> as as this turns out to be this is an r-rated film we should yes, mention we should mention it's r-rated for language violence and nudity holy wow holy violence so, yeah, so that like the first main thing that really shocked me was they're pulling off a lot of like headshots and they're, you know, bloody headshots. But the thing that really like I gasped out loud, like I just audibly gasped sitting alone watching this movie when Punch and Julie, I guess, used their or I guess it's Julie used uh, her um, splicing laser mm-hmm. and like cut a a big dude into, like, a T-bone steak, like, you know, <laughs> like, like sliced him in different pieces. It was, like, the first uh, Resident Evil movie where they do those, like, very surgical slices with the lasers, and then you see, like, you know, all the internals and stuff and, like, the spinal column and everything. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was very graphic, uh, was not expecting that level of violence, um, <laughs> but then that set the tone for the rest of it. Very violent film. Yeah. Well, we should mention in addition to our
0: rating, it's feature
2: length just by a smidge is
0: 86 minutes long. Yeah. Feature length tends to be starting around 90 minutes, which was interesting because I didn't, I'll just, you know, high level view. I actually really enjoyed this. Yeah. I did too. Converts. Ha-ha. Against all odds. I was going into it, not grumpy, but like, oh man, I don't really want to watch a Suicide Squad movie. But then I realized I like the concept of the Suicide Squad. It's the Dirty Dozen in the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Just because it was a terrible live-action film just because it was a terrible previous animated film doesn't mean I couldn't enjoy this one. And I started
2: about 20 minutes in and I was like, oh man, I'm, I'm really liking this. God damn it. It was like, this isn't, this isn't bad. Like, I wasn't looking forward to it at all. I was more looking forward to the next one we're going to talk about, which is Batman Ninja, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> we haven't seen it yet, but looks interesting. So this one, I was just like, all right, I'll watch it. And, you know, more looking forward to talking to you guys about it. But then I'm, as I'm watching it, you know, like, this has some really interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. The plot is actually fairly complex and... If you are into the concept of the Suicide Squad, this is a really thoughtful take on that, and you know all the different themes that come up with a Wetworks team like this. Right. With a lot of antiheroes, not everything gets fully serviced, and not everything worked, but a lot of it did. It's able to chew most of what it bites off. I'll yeah. say, surprisingly.
3: I liked it too. I, I thought the high concept of this card that gets you out of hell was a lot of fun. When most of the characters on screen at any given moment have bombs in their skulls that could go off at any second. <laughs> right. So it made for a really interesting, like, kind of game of hot potato.
0: It There's also end. a good way to sort of subvert that trope of the bombs in that if it goes off and they're holding it, then big deal.
3: It's a one-time-use right. thing, but, you know, Amanda Waller wants it for her, so she's the one who can press the button. So
0: we should mention, sorry, that in addition to the Suicide Squad being sent after it, there's another group of bad guys also going for it, being sent off by, as is revealed, Vandal Savage, and that includes Professor Zoom, Silver Banshee, and Blockbuster. And uh, eventually also Scandal Savage, Vandal Savage's daughter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was like, X- 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 well, X-23 is here. That's <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, what is... Oh, come on. The main team of, that we follow, the Suicide Squad team, is Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, Killer Frost, Copperhead, and Bronze Tiger. Uh, loyalty switches that happen in the middle of it. Some people don't make it. I was surprised, since this is a shared universe film, how many people were killed off.
2: Yeah, they're real, like, I want to say they they set that up in the beginning when they kill off Punch and Julie, but those are kind of, you know, not even like D-list characters, so you're like, of course they can go. But then some other bodies start piling up, and you're like, oh, wow, they're really, you know, going all out with this. I guess
0: they're not making a Batman movie with Professor Pig in the future.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Professor Pig, voiced by James Urbaniak, who I'm a big fan of.
0: Good voice work in this one. Yeah. But uh, also a lot of appearances, just sort of cameos. Uh, Two-Face makes a cameo, which was fun. Right. There's a Dr. Fate of a Kind, which we'll talk to you about in a second. There might be some others, I don't remember. But it was, it, it, I dug it. It worked better when it was silly. Mm. I thought most of the really serious stuff came off a little over-the-top serious. Usually when Bronze Tiger was having his uh, yeah. his speeches, like in the RV, like you see
2: he has this really heavy speech. Yeah, like the same moment I, I thought of as well. Like when he has this whole moment about whether or not you know they're gonna uh, be justified in what they've done, and could they be forgiven and stuff like that. And I was like, I don't buy Captain Boomerang <laughs> getting anything out of that. Yeah. He's um, not
3: at the level of Pacifist Wonder Man, but he's approaching it. It's all—it's mm-hmm. all on the spectrum.
2: I just gotta say copperhead has never been more compelling like this is the best (laughs) like they have used copperhead in so many of these films not just suicide squad stuff but you know he was always around in the jlu and stuff like that just like a throwaway bad guy and i thought he was really interesting
0: was it a new take on copperhead sort
3: of they usually don't make him that reptilian in his like emotive state
0: yeah the contortious part was that new i don't think that's new but okay. I could be wrong. Like
2: I feel like usually he's more like Scorpio from Spider-Man, uh-huh. or Scorpion, where it's like a it's a dude in a costume. Right. Yeah. For sure. With with maybe like a forked tongue or something, and like a mechanical tail. Yeah. Yeah, and and here it's more like he's filling the role of a killer croc. Yeah where he's like he's a strange mutant. So the other moment where I laughed really hard was when they were getting on the RV and they turned and look at 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 him and he audibly says hiss instead <laughs> of hissing. Like sometimes he hisses and then sometimes he just says hiss yes. and he's just this weird kinky strange like morally ambiguous He reminded me of, I thought about Con Air a lot while I was watching this movie. Hmm. And he reminded me of, which character was it? Uh, The Shemi? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Like, he's just this guy off to the side and you're not quite sure what his deal is. So it was a really interesting cast of characters. The character designs were great. Yeah, unusually. Only because we've been focused so much. uh, We're going to talk about
0: the hero designs at the end. we talk about the the film after Batman Ninja. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. I, I wasn't annoyed by Harley Quinn. was more subdued for this. Full. She wasn't full on movie version.
3: Well, one of my quibbles was that she was a little dumb. I, I like when we occasionally get glimpses that Harley is actually a trained, you know, uh, psychiatrist or has a doctorate or whatever. I like when, you right, get when there's a little glimmer, of that, of, but yeah. this was just full on dumb Harley all the time. You know, wreck, bull in a china shop, running around causing chaos, which is fine. It's just not my favorite interpretation of the character.
2: Yeah, it was not a not a terribly, I mean, nuanced one. Like she's sort of down in the second tier in terms of level of characterization. Bronze Tiger has more of a, you know, a character arc and well, she's stuff not a main, going she's not on. a main
0: character really.
2: Right. right. Yeah, which is unusual, you know. Well, I mean, you know, they're really pushing Harley Quinn these days, so somebody might right. expect that going into this. But it's it's really it's Deadshot, and I, I I thought Christian Slater was great.
0: Yeah. He was, I just, I just, you know, one of my quibbles is, I get why in the live action films they never have the characters wear the masks, I totally understand that, I don't, I don't have a problem with it, but in the animated film, it's not like we're not seeing Will Smith's face here. Right. It's just some random animated face, so wear the mask, he's got a fucking cool mask, he wore it sometimes, but most of the time it, he yeah. didn't wear it. He doesn't emote. He's just he, you know. These aren't like super expressive animations.
2: Which I mean, I, I said I really like the character designs, but uh, you know, not wild about his like you know overly sculpted goatee. Yeah. Like sort of, it's 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 like a Robert Downey Jr. kind of thing, and it's, it's it's that was a little distracting. But he was good. He was
0: Christian Slater was good as yeah Deadshot. Tara Strong, who who's played Harley a bunch of times with Harley Quinn. Well, th- this was actually a, a cast that was more about, I think. Strength of voice acting than it was about big names because there wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of big names in this one. Yeah, it's like low, Christian low. Slater
2: is like the marquee one, and then, it, and then it's a lot of. It's like veterans. Journeyman like, kind of, yeah. Yeah, voiceover. I, I
3: would like to give a special shout out to Sissy Jones, who is primarily a video game voice actress who did uh, Knockout, the woman from Apocalypse. She was in one of my yes. favorite video games from a couple of years ago Firewatch uh, which is a game that relies heavily on the Oh volume. that's it's right voice she acting. was
2: in Firewatch yeah. That's
3: so good. So I yeah special shout out for her cuz I enjoyed hearing her and and being reminded of how great that game was.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What do we
0: think of the dumb jock Dr. Fate Steel Maxim
2: Greg <laughs> Brunberg? by the way. I
3: hated it at first and then it really grew on me.
2: <laughs> I think I just think it was like a, just a really interesting I de- and, and it just shows how kind of lived in this DC universe is. Because, like, a lot of times we see some of these movies and they're just one offs, and it's just the most iconic take on every character. Right. And here, Nabu is in place, but he found this endurance runner, you know, meathead character who ends up being a male stripper hiding in plain sight as he says <laughs> and it's just like that's a that's a funny idea you're not going to see a whole run of that character in the comics no. or you know a tv series or anything but as like you know for a suicide squad movie that's kind of a I interesting know, as a one-off
0: the idea yeah. that maybe not every hero is the most noble or and he wasn't not noble but he was you know kind of a dumb dude Who ended up with with, with the helmet? When
3: he gets the helmet, he's not bad. He's not that bad at
0: it. Like he actually
3: has some competence. Once he, you know, Naboo clearly is handling a lot of the heavy lifting of the spell work. But in terms of being able to to hold his own in a fight and wave his hands in the right way as needed, like he does okay.
0: Who amongst us doesn't have an ank tattoo on their lower back? (laughs) I mean, can't see me, but I'm raising my hand. Just me? I guess so. I thought that was a fun twist. So then they're being pursued by, as we said, Professor Zoom, Silver Banshee, Blockbuster, Reverse Flash. Professor Zoom he can't run quite as fast and and doesn't have quite all of his powers, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it was revealed, and I felt a little dumb because I think the costume designs are different. I
2: might be wrong about that.
0: That this is the Zoom from Flashpoint.
2: I think he looks like the one from Flashpoint. There maybe there are certain.
0: That's what I mean. I, I didn't realize it wasn't like regular zoom it was flashpoint zoom
2: oh okay well i th- i thought that reveal was really cool i was like oh damn yeah. like like when he takes his mask off th- it's a really interesting tease like you see like oh why can't he run so fast and deadshot points that out he's like he should be in here and like snapping all of our necks like why is he running behind the rv what's going on and then later you see like he's got some blood trickling down from his in his mask yep. and you're like what's going on there and then later he he pulls the mask off and he's got a hole straight through his forehead out the back you know, what's going on and i think it's a really interesting mystery and it's a a cool reveal especially you know if you've been watching these over the years as we have and you're like oh that's the Flashpoint one and that's it's hearkening back to this moment
0: so first of all when he pulled the mask off i went what because yeah. it was an awesome reveal. But second of all, I, th- I thought it was really cool too. And I thought it was, this was the work in Alan Burnett of an old master, right? I mean, this is his culmination. This is his last one out. And he, as you, as you said earlier, he, he did a really interesting layered story with a good mystery in it. And I thought, you're, you're right. He laid these foundational points. Looking back, they seem so obvious. But you know, I didn't realize it. And then when he revealed I'm from a different timeline and Batman shot me in the head. And I was just like, I think I had my mouth open. While well, that explanation was happening, it was a nice, nice reveal, and also explaining how he was still alive was it Right, mm-hmm. it's a,
2: and it's an interesting use of the Speed Force powers. Like that's potentially a, a plot you can use. Like, oh, he's like he's slowing everything down, and he's living his final seconds. But he's just stretching it out over time and going into this other timeline. That's some of the fun stuff that you get with uh, CW Flash series. Yep, I really liked what they did with with Zoom there. In season two, there was a lot of criticism in the beginning because they play. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't mm-hmm. seen Flash season two, but even though it's been out forever, but there was a lot of criticism in the beginning. And then they they sort of pulled a fast one on us. Yep. And by the end, you're like, oh, that's a really interesting long game that they played there. And, you know, it, it there's some plot holes in it, but this isn't the same thing, but it's a tight little Flash mystery using those powers, that power set. And that's one of the things that I found Really impressive about this, and this is a uh, this is a weird thing, but I wrote down in my notes: imaginative deaths. Like, they we said the deaths are feel meaningful because you weren't expecting characters to get killed off, as usually they like to leave everything on the table by the right. end. But here, they used the explosives in the head in interesting ways. Oh, if you're in the proximity of that, that's going to kill the person you know, whose head explodes, but then also whoever's near it, because that's the scale of the explosion. And then you have the stuff with the get-out-of-hell-free card, and even if it's goofy stuff, like Vandal Savage, you know, surgically implanting it in himself, and you know, all everything that that means. It just, like, there's some just really smart choices and uses of powers and combinations with all of the characters. So I, th- I thought it was neat and surprising. Like, how... How often do these features genuinely surprise us? Really? I mean, a lot of the time they're an adaptation, so we know all the beats. But even when they're like original things or like they're mashups of like a couple different stories, we know how these superhero stories go. So it's kind of rare for there to be an actual surprise. and. This one, I thought, had a couple of them, so I I was very impressed.
3: Well, one of the things I thought was interesting is with the reveal of uh, Dr. Zoom's head wound, that actually justifies the R rating as a plot point in a way they haven't bothered. The previous films, it feels like the PG-13 or R rating is just so they can swear and just so they can be a little bit more violent. But here, you actually wouldn't have been able to do that reveal as effectively unless you see a hole through a guy's head.
0: And you see Batman through that hole.
3: Right. Yeah. It's really grotesque. It is upsetting to see, but that's also the point of it.
0: Good observation. I didn't even think of that, but that's absolutely right. It wouldn't have been as
2: impactful if it had just been like a little bullet hole instead of what looked like you'd drive a train through it. Yeah, on the R-rating thing, that's funny because there's also there's an F-bomb in here.
0: There's a, a nipple
2: of a lady. It's super fleeting. It's, loud, it's, it's on it's there for a, like a frame. I Because I had to think about it. I was like, oh, right, okay. So there's the F-bomb, and then, like, a couple minutes later, another character enters, and we get a freaking, and I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> well, they're only allowed so many. Because they only, they're only they only allowed, yeah, it's like, it's um. <laughs> I know on Breaking Bad, they were allowed, like, one per season. Yeah, it's it's a weird weird standards formula. But it makes
0: it kind of powerful. Yeah, when it does happen. When you're not overusing it, and I think yeah. when the violence worked, it worked for those moments that Ryan just mentioned, and less so were the massacring of the thugs that happened yeah. in the first... Half, I'd say. Yeah, I
2: was worried that it was a little like kind of try hard, like oh, we can do blood, you know, blood and you know, and all this stuff. But like later on, as it got, as you got more invested in the characters, each subsequent you know act of violence became more. I don't want to say special, but like you know (laughs) what I mean. Like it it became more uh, pivotal and impactful, and it was it was part of the plot and less part of the spectacle. Speaking of spectacles, if I could say one thing that didn't work for me was there was a a presentational thing where they do a bit of like grindhouse in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes away after a while. They do like some like film grain, like some like lines going through the screen. And like when they do the title logo for Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, it's like it felt very mid-aughts kind of. I thought of that movie um, Domino with Keira Knightley. Yes, yes. Throwing effects at the screen, it's like, you know, somebody doing their first, you know, film project when they get Final Cut Pro and, like, they've got access to all these Here's weird... Here's all the wipes. All the wipes you can do, yeah, and it's, it's you know, it's fleeting, it's very minor stuff, like, it, it only have, but it, it feels like it's at a disconnect with the actual feature.
0: I didn't love the uh, guitar score, you know, the, okay. sort, of, the sort of metal, it, yeah. it was more prominent in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But that's just my own personal taste. I think the movie stabilized after a certain point. Wasn't there one point late where they used that kind of effect, Paul, where they had everybody's heads in the screen?
2: Yes.
3: Yes, there was, yeah.
2: Yeah. But overall, I think, I think the, the sort of trickiness went away. There were some cool directing choices, like compositional things. I think of the bit where um, Deadshot is waiting for everybody in the parking lot, and he's still in the RV, and Killer Frost is being abducted by the other group. And like she's in the background. So like the like using, you know, foreground and background stuff and not just fast cuts between everything, like actually leaving a, a take. And there there's some just neat sight gags with Copperhead mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so, you know, it's it's um I would say this is definitely above average on the list of just production quality. For sure and just overall storytelling stuff that, you know, the action sequences look really nice. I don't know if it's the best animation they've ever had, but it's a a combination of really good character designs and direction choices.
0: I just keep going back to Tithick MacGuffin, I just love the idea of this Get Out of Hell Free card. What other object would really have all the villains crawling all over each other to get? You know, money Mm -hmm. is money, jewels are jewels, whatever, but saving your eternal soul after all the horrible things you've done, it's something that would release the inner mm. demons of everyone. You know, one of the villains in the Suicide Squad turns, I was going to say turns bad, but they're all bad. It turns against the right. team. You know, there's a lot of fighting over the card because they're all scared about the things they've done. And I love that. They each
2: have a different philosophy vis-a-vis this card and, like, the afterlife. Some of them, like, they don't buy into it, but they like, I'll just auction it off. Like, because... Evidently, a lot of you guys believe it, so I'm gonna, you know, auction it off to the highest bidder. Some people are like, I'm just gonna use this to get out of here because it's, it's basically like a, you know, like having a shield. No one's gonna shoot me if I have this in my hand.
0: Right. The ultimate then it, hostage. It,
2: then it doesn't work. Yeah, it's the ultimate hostage thing. So it, that's interesting. When you when you play on the idea that, as Batman says, criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. At first, I was like, are they really going to buy into this card that just says, you know, because, like, it, you have to take them on their word. But a lot of villains are very superstitious and might totally buy into that. It came from Dr. Fate's house. It came from Dr. Fate's house, too. And they've seen some magic and everything. So, they, you know, they've they've lived through some stuff. So there's a potentially easier, you know, buy-in. There's less of a, you know. But I do like that it's different from person to person on the team.
0: yeah. I was surprised. I was, I was not expecting this to go the way it did. And it's a bummer that Burnett's leaving, although it felt like he was putting it all on the table, you know? Yeah. Although he's, it's, you know, was the last one he wrote, was that Gods and Monsters?
2: They all blend together at this point. I don't, uh, I don't know. It was know. eight I'll movies
0: look. ago, but he did that one with Tim, and that was a really terrific one. It just, it just shows, you know, these veterans, they're still real good at this stuff. Mm-hmm. I was happy I enjoyed it, because when I saw it was his last one, I was like, oh, no. What if I hate it? But I didn't. It was terrific.
2: I also just silly stuff. I actually like the CG RV. <laughs> yeah. I th- it I, th- I thought they put it, it was the best like some integration, loving detail into it. Yeah, like It it's was very the best foxy. integration of
3: one of those CGI vehicles into one of these films. It's finally getting to the point where it's not, it doesn't completely stand out yeah. as not a part of the animated set. Solid work.
2: Alan Burnett is listed as writer on, so he did some TV stuff and then also, Justice League versus Teen Titans, hmm. Batman, Bad Blood. Yeah. And then Gods and Monsters going backwards. Right. Interesting.
0: Okay. You did three in a row then? Because it was Gods and Monsters, Bad Blood, and Justice League versus Teen Titans. Those were
2: all three in a row. What the hell was Bad Blood? I don't even remember.
0: <laughs> I think that was the Batman family one. That was the one where I lost my shit on Damien on the show. Oh, God. Okay. Was anyone else a little surprised that Batman didn't make a cameo? Yes. No,
3: I, not really. Interesting. He wasn't in the last one, was he? The last yes. Suicide One. It was called oh. Batman: Assault on Arkham. Right.
2: Yeah, I do. I do remember he turned up there, and the,
3: we saw Thomas Wayne Batman briefly.
2: That's it, true. It, 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 it's sort of like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Like, like wait a so second, what did I just see? And it was, it's, it's cool actually enough. pleasantly surprised because
0: yeah, I think other than Doctor Fate, there were no heroes in the movie other than Thomas Wayne Batman briefly. Interesting. Well. This was super solid. We'll, uh, I was happy to have watched it. Ba- uh, I was going to say Batman, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, but that's too many subsets. Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay. Oh, are we going to rate it? I don't remember. Oh, Ratings? Ratings. Ratings. Ratings.
2: Ryan, you start.
3: What's our scale? Remind out, me. out of
2: five. Out of five.
3: Okay, I always want to give them letter grades, and I know that's wrong. I will go
2: 4.25. I will go... Yeah, four point two five sounds good. I'll go four point three five. Ooh.
3: Dick.
0: So there's This price is right rules. There's there's two more happening. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna go one dollar. There's two more <laughs> coming out. Let's talk about Batman Ninja in a second, because that's okay. literally the next one that comes out. But this film obviously had the feature at on the next official animated original film which is death of wait superman. i have to yeah.
3: interject paul you and i both gave it almost exactly what it's rotten tomatoes score is right now it's like
2: 83 percent, isn't
3: it yep we are yeah. and 4.25 out of 5 that, right. is 85 oh, percent. so okay. you and i are essentially the two of us by ourselves are the perfect aggregator and rotten tomatoes you can go ahead and shut down
0: <laughs> okay. so you and i will just review all the movies sounds
2: good sounds fair
0: all right death of superman is the next film and they had a, fe- they hit a featurette on it. They didn't call it part one. They just said Death oh, of Superman. I think, it, I think the next one was called Reign of Superman after that.
3: Oh, uh, mm. I didn't know if they did like an Infinity War thing where they collapsed it into one. And I somehow never saw that up until like a month No, no, no. Ago. They they talk about how it's the
0: first part. So f- the first thing to know is it basically looks like Doomsday vs. Justice League. And it's all of their in canon for these films costumes, which haven't changed since the first one. So okay. there's a lot of Superman with his turtleneck. Uh, running
2: around and his sleeves that
0: go over his hands and uh well i mean maybe, maybe who's, play, who's,
2: him... who's playing superman this time because it's like it's always a different superman so like it's the same look but it's a, it's a different actor jerry o'connell jerry o'connell otherwise
0: it's the same cast rosario dawson nathan fillion christopher gorm Shemar Moore. it's the same justice league cast okay
2: wasn't alan Tudick superman in one of he them he was he was Superman. In one like of the them. first one Maybe okay. yeah,
3: but and um, Sam Daly, Tim Daly's son, was Superman in one of the other ones.
0: Oh, that's right. I saw it. I was like, oh, I mean, Superman's had four costumes in the comics since they've done these movies, and they're still sticking with that first one, which is the worst. So one. I mean, what, what would you want? Would you want this like, is well,
3: this is also die? the one they're gonna they're gonna kill him in,
0: and they so should kill that, that
2: suit too. I think. I mean,
3: yeah, he'll co- Maybe he'll come back in the black suit, which was a real missed opportunity
2: for that uh film. <laughs> I want I want the hair? That's what I want. It's, it's I really, really. It's about like this is guys. A form. This is a formality before yes. we get to Reign of the Superman. and that's when you get the hair and the you or that's wacky. the questions I want answered. Are are they doing Superboy with the full out? You know, buckles on the leather jacket, the,
0: leather jacket, round sunglasses, floppy hair, earring. That's what I want. Full on early nineties. He better look like that.
2: Yes, that's that's what I'm looking.
0: I mean, it looked really good. I was nice to see Doomsday fighting other characters because that was always one of the big deals with the comics was that he beat all these other characters to get to Superman like a video game boss, but... Right, yeah. I just... Uh, Superman standing in very dramatic poses with that stupid costume really undercut the the scenes for me. But well, I just that'll be my own cross to bear when mm-hmm. I get to it. It looks high quality. It looks good. I'm going to watch the original one before that one so That's, I'll have it fresh in my mind. Just where this all started. Right, the original one from 2000 and...
2: Was it just called Superman Doomsday?
0: Yes, Superman Doomsday. <laughs> which was from two thousand and seven. So yep. eleven years, guys. Mm. That was Adam Baldwin at Superman.
2: That's right.
0: So that one comes out in spring.
2: That's what I was gonna ask.
0: What what is that? What what is spring anymore? <laughs> what is spring anymore? Do I have it written down? I don't think it's got an official release date
2: yet. At some point spring is only and like fall are only gonna be known as just it's it's just like marking time for when movies and video games come out.
0: Or each day will have its own season. What's today? Today's the spring, tomorrow's the winter. That's the way it's been going lately. So, that comes out spring. That we've we'll talked about that one, but in the meantime, let's talk about the next
2: film. Paul, you're really excited about it. Why oh my why god, it looks people? so dumb! I'm so excited. <laughs> Batman Ninja. I saw it first as like a, I think I, or you know what? I, I think I saw it online like I was scrolling through my twitter feed like a year ago or something and they were talking about oh we're going to do another one of those things with you know anime directors and stuff and i thought it was going to be a tie-in with like those action figures that Mm -hmm. they do like the tamashi nations or whatever they're called like the high-end like 80 dollars like here's what the joker would look like if he were scissors like just strange super animated out designs and i think those things are cool right But I thought so I thought it was like a tie in. But apparently this is just some weird original project with a very cool visual style. And my first instinct was, oh, they're doing as if Batman lived in, you know, feudal Japan and was it Ronin or whatever. No, nope. it's got to be more convoluted than that. He actually it's Batman from now and he goes back in time. Sweet. And becomes a samurai, and I think
3: this is, this is Edo by Gaslight.
2: This is Edo by. That was, my, by, well, that was
3: yeah. a joke about Gotham by Gaslight. I
2: know it was. I'm just thinking <laughs> kind of lights that would. I don't know.
3: Edo by Paper Lantern. Paul. This
0: comes out yeah. in, a, in the U
2: S. physically
0: May eighth. So we have a couple of weeks for that one. It comes out theatrically in Japan
2: in June. Oh, does it really?
0: Yeah, interesting. And, okay. And thanks to Patreon, we'll be at the premiere. <laughs> yeah, digital. Digital release April twenty fourth. Physical release May eighth. So you can look for the show the week of the May eighth. I'm excited. I, there was a trailer for it before this one, Suicide Squad. But I didn't watch it. I just saw the first, okay. the very first second of it, which was Tony Hale's Joker, and I was that's why I was this, intrigued.
2: At some point, when on Twitter, when I found out that Tony Hale was going to be playing the Joker, I went through and figured out that like most people. From Arrested Development, most of them have played, or have provided voices for DC animated characters, and Mm. some of it stretches back to like the 70s. But interesting, like older stuff, like pre Bruce Timm stuff. A lot of maybe they played a a Greek god at some point in the in the pantheon. But like some of them, we've had a couple Batman in there. You know, Job has been Batman. (laughs) That's right, Lego Batman. Lego so
0: Batman. you can look forward to an animated brain trust discussion on Batman Ninja happening the first, somewhere around the first week of May. And then we'll be t- coming back to discuss Death of Superman whenever that comes out in quote-unquote spring. Uh, in the meantime, you can check the show out at ifanboy.com. There'll be a discussion post there. You can talk about your thoughts and feelings on Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. As well as our weekly podcasts are found there. The Pick of the Week show, we talk about the week's comics. Occasionally, Paul and Ryan appear on those shows, and we have mm-hmm. our special edition shows. We talk about the films. The next one coming up will be it'll be Avengers. It'll be Avengers: Infinity War in, in a week, two weeks, one week.
2: You guys I nervous? You guys? Are, I got my ticket. I have my the, ticket
0: for Thursday. Yep, Thursday
2: night. I'm excited. I would tell everyone to go as early as possible. I think people are gonna get spoiled. Yeah, that's that's the big thing. I was like I I was like, should I go Friday or now I gotta do Thursday because I have a feeling spoilers are gonna be big for this one. Yeah. I have no inside information,
0: I just know of a feeling. But I'm excited. I, I am excited. Feeling. I have a feeling. I'm I've surprised they haven't feeling. done
2: like posters like one of these Avengers will <laughs> die, you know, like that kind of thing. But All of these original
0: Avengers will die.
2: <laughs> I'm excited so that check those shows out at com. in the meantime.
0: Uh, we're going to go watch more cartoons I guess until then I'm Connor. Yeah. I'm Paul. Ryan.